welcome to the Prophecy Club. Yesterday, I talked about how Putin says that no one can defend against the Russian weapons. Let me say it again. Putin says no one, no nation, can defend against their weapons. Well, is that rubbish? Is he just being braggadocious? Or perhaps he's actually telling the truth. Perhaps kind of like the purloined letter, if you're familiar with that. Sometimes the truth is best hidden by putting it face up on the desk where everyone can see it, but they don't believe it. Well, I believe that that's exactly what Putin is doing. I think he's telling us the truth. I think he is, yes, a little braggadocious. I think he's excited. I think he's very pleased with what God has put in his hands. But I also think he is letting people know, I mean, you know, America and most of the rest of the world has kind of put Russia on the back burner, so to speak. They haven't shown them the respect that they should. And I believe that Russia right now is the number one military power on the in the world. Now, they're not the number one economy, but they're not a free economy. When they get extra money, they don't have to pay it to their shareholders and the like. They don't have to build walls and other things like that. They, every bit of the extra money they get, they put it toward military. They are a military nation. That's what they do. That's all they do. And as I said yesterday in the broadcast, I had lunch one day with Stanislav Lunev back in about 1997 when he spoke for the Prophecy Club. If you don't have that DVD, you ought to get it. Of course, who's Stanislav Lunev? Well, he's the highest Russian military officer ever to defect to America as of about 1997. And he said, son, he says, you have to understand, you know, in his German or his Russian accent. He said that Russia basically exists to defeat and destroy America. He says every person from birth is raised that their number one objective is to destroy America. That's what they do. That's all they do. Now, the typical American, well, you know, we want to have prosperity. We want to have a nice house, nice car, a nice church. You know, we want to have a nice life. That's not the Russian mindset. Theirs is to defeat America. Now, let me give you a brief overview, and then let me get to the point of where I want to go with this broadcast, because I only got about halfway, and I'm about to get to the really the most important part of it. First of all, the brief review. As I said yesterday, in April 1997, Dmitry was shown a vision of a Russian bear that was asleep. It began to grow angrier and angrier as paw would uh, paw the ground and the earth would shudder. And then finally, the bear continued to devastate all that stood in his path, meaning when World War III starts, when Russia attacks and defeats America, and God raises up all the other nations to go against Russia, for the first part of World War III, Russia is going to run roughshod over anybody and everybody they want to. They do have the most advanced military, so say the prophets. Listen to what it says. The bear continued to devastate all that stood in its path until some men, I believe this is probably NATO and the other nations, uh, come with sticks trying to fend it off. Okay, that's a pretty good analogy. In other words, all of the Western nations attacking Russia, it's going to be just like trying to fend off a Russian or a bear with sticks. By this time, the bear had grown so large, it simply crushed, let me say it again, simply crushed the men underfoot and continued to rampage. Now, the point I want to say there is, the Russian military is, just as Putin is saying, no one can defend against their weapons. 
Look, you know, everybody knows what America has. I mean, our our military secrets are, <laughs> they're not even secrets. I mean, probably everybody knows what America has. I mean, good grief, we fought all these wars. We're in the process of civil wars right now. So whatever secrets we have are pretty much out. Now, I, I would guess that's probably true. But Russia keeps their secrets, how should we say, under wraps. Next thing I talked about yesterday, and I'm getting through this real quickly. Again, I have a very important point I want to make here in just a second. 1997, Virginia Boldea tells this story about how Dimitri woke up one morning and she got a tape recorder. She went to his side and this is what he said, essentially, just a sentence of it, is he saw a bear as big as a building and it began to do battle with an unarmed man. So the first vision says that people coming against Russia in World War III is going to be like men trying to fend off a big angry bear with sticks. In the second vision, he was shown that Russia is like a big bear as big as a building and people trying to stop the bear in World War III is like trying to do battle with an unarmed man. In other words, again, Russia is going to run over everybody. Then the third one, January 21, 1995, to cut right to the chase, Dmitry was shown these Russian airplanes that had a, a flash come out of the front of it, and I believe that that's some kind of like a, a light ray that's kind of like a flash bulb on a camera, and it detects things in the air not using radar but using light, and then it it reads the reflected light from that, and so it defeats our stealth. And then out the back of the airplane, it had like fire coming out of the airplane. Well, we know that the Russians are far advanced in the area of laser. We also know that, I would guess it probably four or five years ago, I read on the air an article where the Russians had discovered that lightning follows laser beams. So I believe out of the back of the Russian airplanes, all they do is they have a laser beam. They put it on whatever they want to destroy, holding the laser beam on the target. Then they send an electrical charge down the laser beam, and it takes it out. In other words, technology far, far above what America has. Now, let's get to the point. I, I know every time I get to reading Bible prophecy, uh, for whatever reason, uh, maybe they everybody thinks that they got their own opinion, and maybe I got my opinion, and may, maybe they don't listen to me. Why should I listen to you? Because I can read this. I can understand myself. Well, you know, I, I can't get you to listen without telling a little bit of my qualifications. Why should you listen to me rather than just your opinion or someone else out there that is teaching Bible prophecy? Been studying this stuff 40 years, teaching it 30 years, doing a radio and pro TV program on it 25 years. I made 37 DVDs on Bible prophecy, 330 DVDs to our 160 guests, and I memorized the book of Revelation. Bible prophecy is what I are. It is what I do. Ask my wife. <laughs> she will tell you that's all I think about is Bible prophecy. And I believe with all humility that God sees to it then I know more about Bible prophecy than you do. Why? Because he's put me behind this microphone so that one day I can bring a lot of people into his kingdom through Bible prophecy and through the sevenfold miracles that are soon to come in the meeting that I will be talking about here probably in the next week or so. So for right now, without trying to pat myself on the back or trying to sound arrogant, sound like I'm better than somebody, and that's not my heart, 
I just want you to listen to me. Understanding, if you'll just listen to me, I believe I'm really bringing you truth. I'm about to explain to some, something to you that I don't think you would see in these scriptures unless you had memorized them. I should also mention, in the process of memorizing the book of Revelation, another spirit came on me. I would identify it as the spirit of prophecy, and I feel the anointing coming on me right now. In other words, that's a confirmation. What I'm telling you is true. So let's go to Revelation 18. This is specifically talking about America. Now, it says, After these things, John sees another angel come down from heaven, having great power. So this is a very, very powerful angel. Probably, as Michael is the angel over Israel, probably this is the angel over America. And the earth was lightened with his glory, or lightened because he was so bright. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, meaning America. In other words, God calls America in the scriptures Babylon. And I think he does that because that way, if someone wants to believe this is talking about America, they can. And if they don't want to receive the truth, then they don't have to. Okay, That's his choice. Babylon the Great. Now, you see that word great? I think that Donald Trump gave us that name. In his candidacy, when he said, make America great again. And he won. So I believe God hung the word great on America. And it's like 18 times the word great is found in Revelation 17 and 18. So when it says great, the way I interpret that is that's further confirmation. These scriptures are in fact talking about America. So Babylon the Great, or we would say America the Great, is fallen, is fallen. It has is fallen twice. The Bible does not repeat itself. When it says is fallen twice, it means that we fall twice. And my interpretation of that is the first fall is in the early days of World War III when the Russians attack us. The second fall is upon the day that Jesus returns. He has a special destruction coming for America. Not the Christians in America, but rather those people that have killed the Christians. Let's go on. Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils. Now, habitation, that means that's where devils live. Look at the news. Look at all the protests. And again, the protests, the big ones, the riot, the internal revolution, we haven't seen how bad it's going to get. We haven't seen the height, or should we say, the lows of how bad it's going to get yet. But it's where devils live. We used to be a nation where Christians live. I remember my mom saying, that every summer they would have a uh, what they call vacation Bible school. And they had this at the public schools. And by the way, she was living in Washington State, which is very, very liberal today. But they would have a vacation Bible school, and all of the children would go down to the public school for vacation Bible school where they learned about Jesus, and all of them were Christians. And she said, the more Christian you were, the more you knew the Bible, followed the Bible, memorized the Bible, the more popular you were. And I remember her saying when I was a child, she says, well, we're not a Christian nation anymore. (laughs) So you can imagine how far we have fallen now. You see, the world we live in is a far cry from the world Jesus wants America to be. We are the last standard. We are the wall that's holding back the evil from world government and from the destruction of many Christians. Let's go on. So America, the great, has become a habitation of devils, the hold or the living place 
of every foul spirit. Now, are we a foul spirit? Just listen to the mouths of the people around you. How much profanity, how much filth and curse words do you hear coming out of the people around you? Look, I live in Texas, which is probably one of the more Christian areas. Imagine those people that live in some of the worst areas, the filth, the fornication, just sin every place. We have become, now we have become a living place for devils and a place where every foul spirit lives, and we have become the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Look at the hearts of most Americans. Are they loving? Are they kind? Are they walking around like when I was a child? I was going to Boy Scouts and we were taught you're supposed to help the little old ladies across the street. Well, (laughs) these days it's like, get out of the way, lady. (laughs) You know, I mean, we don't have that kind, loving, giving heart in America as a whole like we did 60 or 70 years ago. And I think you'd have to say yes with that. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. That's God speak for because she has corrupted, and this is really answering the question, why is God going to destroy America? Most Christians think that God is going to destroy America if he is going to destroy America. And even I'll have to say most Christians believe that America is too big to fall. America is never going to fall. But if she were to fall, it would be because of abortion. Okay, well... (laughs) Abortion is certainly bad. There's no problem about that. But that's not what the scripture says is the reason God destroys America. Now, let's back up and think about this a second. America was the nation that carried the Bible to other nations. I can remember as a child in almost every church out there, especially my church, I can remember most of the, the children that were growing up, I remember my older brother and the people that were older than him, most of them going to church, their fondest desire was to learn the Bible, learn all of the praise and worship, learn about praying, and to be able to develop themselves enough to become a missionary. A major part of our church was missionaries. We sent missionaries around the world. This was a small church. I mean, like when I was growing, I mean, matter of fact, I was there when they started the church. I was one of the founding members. I was maybe seven or eight years old, nine years old or something. My mom had to, had to remind me about it. But it was a small church. But the major, major thrust of that church was outreach. We had missionaries in several different nations around the world. And the missionaries from time to time would come in and show us pictures and everybody would cry and give more and more to the missionaries. I can also remember when I was a child, we would go out and we'd do caroling. Now, how many people do caroling these days? How many? I have not gone out caroling in years. Matter of fact, maybe we should get that going in our own church. But as a child, every Christmas, we would go out caroling. And yes, sometimes we would go to uh, homes where we knew the people were Christians, but sometimes we would just go to homes and we'd just stand out there in the cold and the snow and we would sing Christmas carols as an attempt to lead people to Jesus. There was uh, there was tents that were up 
all over the place. From here to there, almost every year there was a bunch of tents and there was big revivals. And I'm not talking about Billy Graham revivals. Yeah, they were, but they were smaller. But they were in little towns and traveling tents and traveling evangelists all over. Everyone was trying to win everyone else in America and in other nations to Jesus. Everyone's thrust was to get people saved. Now, where are we today? I can't get my church to invite people to come to church. Now, is that because my preaching's bad? Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Is that because they don't love the Lord? No, I don't believe so. I believe it's because the attitude of most Americans out there have a disdain toward Jesus and toward the church. And they do not want to have anything to do with Christianity, Jesus, church. And so the people already know it. And so they just simply won't bring it up. When's the last time you purposely went up and started a conversation to try to lead someone to Jesus? When's the last time that happened? How many times that happened in the past year? See my point? Okay. So it says, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of fornication. So what is fornication? Well, in case of marriage, it's when someone goes out and has sex with another person, and we also call that adultery. However, if they're not married and they have sex before they're married, in, in American society, we call that fornication. That's not, however, God's definition. Because back up, back up, back up. Way back, when was the first marriage between man and God? The answer was, I've <laughs> done some research on this, Pentecost, the first Pentecost, right after the Israelites left Egypt, that was when God spoke audibly, saying, I will be your God if you will be my people. You follow my laws, and I will bless you. And the people said, whatsoever God says, that we will do. Moses wrote it down. Moses got up on the side of the mountain, and he read the laws and the agreement of the people, and they said, yes and amen, whatever God says, that we will do. So in God's definition, when we don't follow God's laws, he calls that fornication. He calls us a whore when we do that. So understand that's the definition. Now let's look back at what he's saying. He says, for all nations, for all nations, what are the nations? That means everyone on earth. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of a fornication. Here's the way, he's, what he's really saying is, because America used to be the nation that took the Bible to the world, sent out the missionaries, that spilled the missionaries' blood into the other nations and was blessed. But now America is the nation that takes filth and fornication, filth through our movies, filth through our music, filth through things like our print, printed matter, you know, the Playboys or whatever, you know, whatever those magazines are. We are the ones primarily that are, we are the big generator of filth, whether it is even on the internet. Okay, so America used to be the nation that was getting people saved. Now we are the nation that is calling, causing people to fall away. That's the reason God destroys America. It's not because of abortion. Abortion's bad. But it's because we are corrupting the rest of the world. Let me read that again. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of a fornication. Wrath is anger. 
Wine is means they have gone along with it. For all nations have watched our movies. For all nations have listened to our music. For all nations have watched our porn on the internet. For all nations, for all nations, for all nations. For example, I guess it was probably 15 years ago. Leslie and I had the opportunity to go to Japan for about a week. Now, we, we didn't have anybody with us, just her and I, and we didn't know our way around. Of course, you can't read Japanese. It, it does not have ABC. It does not have English letters in it. And so it is really, really easy to get very confused there. Well, so we went in to check into the hotel, and I heard this beautiful music playing in the hotel. And I said, hey, where can I get a copy of that music? Oh, here, oh, you know, and he wrote down the name of the, the song for me. And, well, about a block down, there's a building there. Go down, and they can help you get this music. So I went down, and it was a music store. Now, we're downtown Tokyo, okay? And it was three stories tall. This music store, and it was about a city walk, uh, a city block square, huge, three stories tall, downtown Tokyo. This would be in the ballpark of like downtown New York to us. And so I walked up to one of the people and I handed them this piece of paper, which was written in Japanese. And I said, I'd like to have a copy of this. Oh, height. Yes, come with me. Follow me. And the guy spoke pretty good English. So I walked past the big giant, I'm going to say 20-foot-tall statue of Elvis Presley and all of these other American singers. And I looked around, and everything was American music. I mean, it wasn't German music. (laughs) It wasn't French music. Everything in the store was American music, rock and roll and this and that, all that sort of stuff. So we walked over to the far side of the building on that same floor, and there was this one little area, is about four foot wide, about six foot tall. Ah, oh, yes, this is our Japanese music. <laughs> and he pulled out the CD and he handed me the CD and I bought the CD. I thought, this is so funny. Here I am in Japan looking for Japanese music and it's on a four by six shelf. All of the rest of the three story building was full of American music. In other words, Japan listens to American music. Japan plays American baseball. The whole world wants to dress like us. We're the guys that wear the three-piece suits. We're the guys that wear the ties and the white shirts. The whole world dresses like us, walks like us, tries to talk like us. Did you know that English is pretty much the, uh, the world language? I mean, in, for example, India. Yeah, they have the Indian language, but in the schools, they also teach English. And the same thing is said with many of the nations around the world. English is the most sought after language for a person to learn. If you want to be successful in life, you better learn English. And everybody knows it, and just about everybody on the globe is learning to speak English. Might be broken English, might not be very good, but they speak English. Why? Because God is trying to point, using English, using them point through America. It used to be England. Matter of fact, in the days when England was blessed, England was taking the Bible, the King James Version, to the nations of the earth. Now, let's go back to understanding why God is angry at America and is about to destroy America, possibly, I'm not setting a date, possibly as soon as in two years. Could it be that America has as little as two years? Could be. I don't know. Maybe she has more. I pray she does. Anyway, 
Revelation 18.3, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Here's the way we would say it. For all the nations have watched our movies, watched our porn, listened to our filthy music, and jived and shucked and all that sort of stuff to our music. All of the nations have watched our porn on the internet. And the kings of the earth had committed fornication with her. It means the leaders of the other nations of the world have also partaken in our filth. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So we are the wealthy nation. We are the nation that is putting all of this filth out. I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. And you talk about blind I think anyone that does not see that this is talking about America is spiritually blind. They, they're probably also a pre-tribber, I might add. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. Means, if you don't want to be part of what real bad things are about to come to America, it means you better stop sinning now. Stop sinning, repent, turn to Jesus with your whole heart so he can save you in the day of trouble. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Now, that's very important. That's actually identifying very closely that this is speaking about America. Because a nation that is washed in the blood of Jesus, their sins don't reach into heaven. Their sins are covered. Their sins are washed in the blood. But when it says, for her sins have reached into heaven, it means that this is a nation that used to have Jesus, used to have their sins washed away, and used to have her sins not reaching into heaven. But since she's walked away from Jesus and her children have not observed and followed the laws and the teachings of Jesus, how many people today are what we call nunyas? Their parents were Christians, but they're nunyas means they don't have a, a God at all. They aren't, you ask them, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I mean, my parents are Christian. Yeah, but Matthew seven twenty one says, not everyone that cries, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But those that doeth the will, that doeth the will, that doeth the will of the Father. For her sins have reached unto heaven, because this is a nation that has walked away from Jesus, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Well, I see I've run out of time. I really wanted to <laughs> spend more time in this. But anyway, here's what I ask. I'm not offering another DVD today, okay? And we're just talking, just you and I talking. Lord, let me pray for you again. Lord, I ask you to speak to the heart. If their name is in the book of life, and if they want to win more people to the Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to their heart and show them the heart of this ministry. And when it comes time for the giving, this is a ministry that wants to win people to your kingdom. So Lord, I ask you to speak to the heart and that when they give, that you would give back to them, pressed down, shaken together and running over, that you would hear their prayers, their desperation prayers, but also their simple requests, that you would hear the prayers for health in their family, health in their finances, that you would bless them in their house, bless them in their car, bless them in their business, bless them in the morning, bless them in the evening, bless them when they go in, and bless them when they go out. And you would hear their prayers even before they ask, and that you would answer those prayers, that you would make them a part of your solution, 
your end time salvation, a part of your soul winning of the last days, and that when they get to heaven, that they would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and that you would call their sons and their daughters, their brothers and their sisters, and their moms and dads that have fallen away, that perhaps never have known you, that when they pray for those that they love, that you would hear that prayer, and they would call them back to you, and they would get their name written in the book of life, those people that are praying right now that their loved ones, their business associates, their friends, when they pray that their name would be written in the book of life, that you would send the seed of repentance to their heart, that you would hear that prayer, that you would give them many souls, and that when they finally see you, that they would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, And their heart would be so in love with you that they would be willing to fall on their face and cast their crowns before your throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And that when they see the four beasts, when they see the four and twenty elders sitting on their seats, clothed in white raiment with gold crowns on their heads, when they see them, that they will be pleased with their position in all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. And thank you for remembering us and your giving. God bless. Prayerfully consider supporting the Prophecy Club with your gifts of support. We would not be here without your prayers and generous financial support.